Bruce Waltke accentuates that the Word of God, as presented in the 66 books of the Bible, is the foundational basis for Old Testament theology. This word is not merely a historical relic, but is a living communication from God to the Church, instructing it on ways of living, worshiping, and understanding its purpose in the world. Theologians are to approach the Bible as inerrant and infallible, seeking its deeper meanings and considering the Old Testament as a cohesive whole authored by God. This involves a reverence for the text and recognition of its authority in contemporary life. Theology, as Waltke describes, is a reflective and self-critical task in response to God's revelation. It requires the theologian to contemplate and react to God's Word, assisting the Church in comprehending and appropriately responding to this divine message. He cites Walter Eichrott's idea of Old Testament theology as offering a comprehensive picture of its belief system, but suggests a more realistic approach might be to explore the major religious themes and messages of the Old Testament and their development. This task involves addressing the diversity within the Old Testament texts, examining the relationship between systematic and biblical theology, and understanding the intertextuality and compositional history of these ancient scriptures. Ultimately, Old Testament theology aims to encapsulate the core message of the Old Testament, providing the Church with insight into its position within sacred history. This involves a careful and reverent reading of the texts, acknowledging the Bible's overarching narrative and its role as God's enduring Word. In doing so, theologians help the Church to navigate its faith journey, rooted in the profound and multifaceted teachings of the Old Testament. Also, Waltke explores the complexity and diversity of the Old Testament, noting that while a core message about God's attributes, human depravity and redemption exists, each book within it has its unique theology and emphasis. This diversity is a result of the multitude of human authors, each bringing their distinct personality and historical context to their writings. For example, the primary history and chronicles narrate similar historical events, but cater to different audiences with distinct purposes and emphases, leading to variations in content and focus. Despite the variety, Waltke argues against viewing Old Testament theology as just a collection of individual book theologies. Instead, he affirms the importance of recognizing and tracing major themes that wind through the OT. These themes, often connected to key words or motifs, evolve and are reinterpreted throughout the canon, contributing to a coherent narrative. This task, he notes, is complex due to the extensive and sometimes unruly nature of the biblical material. While the books share common themes stemming from God's covenants with Israel, each book demands its own exegesis and theological reflection. Waltke acknowledges that Old Testament theology is necessarily reductionistic. The discipline focuses on selecting and developing major concepts and themes common across the texts. He contends that no biblical theologian has fully encapsulated a comprehensive theology of the Hebrew Bible, as the goal of presenting a complete picture of the OT's belief system is both impractical and likely impossible. The work involves a balance of recognizing the unique contributions of each book while discerning the overarching themes that reflect the collective understanding of God and his relationship with humanity as presented in the OT. Moreover, Waltke critically examines the relationship between Old Testament theology, New Testament theology, and systematic dogmatic theology, particularly challenging Charles Hodge's traditional approach. Hodge believed that systematic theology's role is to collect and logically order the facts from the Bible, with biblical theology tasked to ascertain and state these facts. Waltke, however, 
debates that this approach does not sufficiently recognize the unique priorities and coherent thought patterns of the biblical authors themselves. He asserts that biblical theologians should aim to trace the themes found throughout the scriptures, respecting the original writer's intentions and conceptual frameworks. Waltke critiques the use of dogmatic theology's categories, God, man, salvation, as an organizational tool for Old Testament theologies. He disputes these categories are too general and externally derived, applicable to any religion, thus failing to capture the unique emphases and intentions of the Old Testament authors. These traditional categories, according to Waltke, do not honor the distinctiveness of the Old Testament's themes and messages, which often diverge from those in the New Testament. The New Testament authors, in their turn, were addressing the Christian faith within their contemporary Jewish and Hellenic worlds, which is a different context from the Old Testament authors. Advocating for a methodology that respects the Old Testament's uniqueness, Waltke suggests a close reading of the texts through poetics and intertextuality. This approach seeks to uncover the essential themes and messages from within the text itself, avoiding the imposition of external logical categories. By focusing on the disciplines that allow for a deeper understanding of the text's own structure and meaning, Waltke aims to more accurately reflect the specific categories, concerns, and messages of the Old Testament, honoring its author's intentions and the text's integrity. This approach, he highlights, allows for a more faithful and nuanced understanding of the Old Testament in relation to the broader Christian theological landscape. Furthermore, Waltke argues that to understand the theological themes within the Old Testament, one must consider their historical development. This progression of understanding is what Waltke refers to as progressive revelation, meaning that as time advances, the revelation of God's truth unfolds in a manner that builds upon previous knowledge and adapts to new contexts, culminating in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the canonization of the New Testament. In order to effectively trace the evolution of these themes, Waltke suggests that Old Testament theologians must examine four specific histories. Each of these histories represents a different aspect or area where significant events have played a role in shaping the religious and theological landscape, such as the development of religious institutions, the history of a nation, the growth of particular movements, or the practice of religious rituals. Waltke defines history as more than a mere chronicle of events. It is a thoughtful recording that includes an interpretive framework. This framework is designed not only to present a sequence of events, but also to provide a convincing narrative that indicates their importance and relevance. Within this structure, he distinguishes between story, which represents the narrative content or the actual events themselves, and plot, which refers to the interpretive arrangement of these events to convey a certain meaning or purpose. For Waltke, then, Old Testament theology is deeply enmeshed with historical understanding. Old Testament theologians must engage with the historical contexts in which biblical themes first emerged and how they were later adapted or reimagined. By doing so, they can appreciate the nuances of these themes and the way in which they reveal a theology that is not static but dynamic, responding to and interacting with an ever-changing historical reality. In this light, history is not passive but an active and persuasive force that plays a pivotal role in shaping and communicating theological truths throughout the ages. In addition, Waltke maintains the critical importance of situating Old Testament, OT, theology within the wider panorama of ancient Near Eastern history to fully comprehend its doctrines and uniqueness. He invokes the scholarship of theologian Walter Eichrott, 
to articulate the necessity of constant reference to the Near Eastern religious context when presenting OT theology. Eichrott suggests that the divine word became manifest within this cultural milieu, and just as Jesus Christ maintained his divine identity in human form, the prophetic messages of the Old Testament maintain their distinct theological identity, even as they adopt the language and literary structures of their ancient surroundings. Eichrott sees the development of OT religion as a dynamic process of both strengthening its own special contributions and interacting with diverse pagan belief systems. Through this process of selective absorption and rejection, OT theology did not remain insulated, but instead developed a complex network of connections with a variety of other religious practices. This historical interaction implies that OT religion should not be viewed in isolation, but rather as part of a broader conversation with the myriad religions of the ancient world. Eichrott draws on Adolf Harnack's poignant dictum regarding the understanding of religions to shed light on the study of the Old Testament. By adapting Harnack's statement, Eichrott implies that knowing OT religion entails an understanding that arises from a comparative study of many religions, given that it interacted with and was shaped by diverse religious tendencies of the ancient Near East. Waltke thus contends for a theological approach to the Old Testament that appreciates its historical and cultural context. Such an approach involves discerning the distinctive expression of Israel's faith in conversation with the surrounding pagan religions. This historical and comparative framework not only offers clearer insights into the biblical message, but also demonstrates how OT theology is a unique synthesis that emerged from a complex interplay of religious ideas within the ancient Near Eastern religious landscape. Understanding this intricate historical context is essential for a richer and more accurate comprehension of Old Testament theology and its enduring message. Further, Waltke's exposition of Heilsgeschichte, or salvation history, delves into the theological notion that the history presented in the Bible, particularly the history of Israel, is a linear narrative of God's redemptive work, ultimately aimed at and finding fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Heilsgeschichte is not merely a collection of isolated prophecies or typologies, but an integrated divine trajectory expressed in God's Word, which theologians from the Salvation History School seek to explain. This biblical conception of history posits that Israel's origins and progress are direct outcomes of God's sovereign acts and decrees, with particular attention paid to the factual nature of God's interventions as depicted in the scriptural account. This account is seen as an organic unity, and the task of Old Testament theology from this standpoint is to interpret historical events as collective, coherent revelations of God's dealings with humanity. Accordingly, Understanding the history of Revelation requires immersion in the divine spirit, rather than relying solely on human interpretation. Waltke identifies two central narrative corpora that present Israel's salvation history. The primary history, spanning from the book of Genesis to two kings, offers a continuous account from the creation of the cosmos to the exile of Judah in Babylon around 550 BC. Alternatively, the chronicler's work, alongside Ezra-Nehemiah, provides a second historical narrative from Adam to the post-exilic community, establishing the social, political, and religious institutions of the Second Jewish Commonwealth around 460-430 BC. The essence of salvation history as a theological framework is its inspired documentation and elucidation of historical developments that eventually converge in Jesus Christ. This connection is integral for Old Testament theology as it implies that the entirety of biblical history and its interpretation is significant for understanding the mission and nature of Christ.
Besides, Paul's theology is rooted in Israel's salvation history, and it is upon this historical foundation that he builds his portrayal of Jesus Christ's life, death, resurrection, and ascension, leading to the ultimate unification of all things under Christ. The New Testament, particularly the Gospels, is recognized as the early church's contemplative interpretation of the significance of Jesus Christ. Waltke concludes by pointing out that, in light of Jesus Christ's central role in salvation history, all of Scripture should be interpreted with a focus on Christ, who is depicted within historically conditioned texts. Additionally, in his exploration of historical Israel within the context of academic Old Testament theologies, Bruce Waltke addresses the profound impact of historical criticism on understanding biblical history. This critical method, born out of the Enlightenment's emphasis on human reason over divine revelation, applies a distinct epistemology to its analysis of the biblical text. It is entrenched in the principles identified by Ernst Troeltsch, skepticism, analogy, and coherence. Skepticism encourages a reading of the Bible not as a sacred scripture, but rather as one would read any other ancient mythological work without presupposing its divine origin or truth. The principle of analogy suggests judges the historical accounts of the Bible by current empirical experiences. If certain events such as resurrections do not occur today, they are assumed not to have occurred in the past. Finally, coherence presupposes that all historical events can be explained through natural causes, precluding the need for divine explanation. Historical criticism often leads to the development of a form of systematic, practical atheism where God's activity is not recognized in the interpretation of Israel's history. This approach reconstructs the history of Israel by placing heavy emphasis on archaeological findings and other ancient Near Eastern texts, sometimes allowing these sources to overshadow the biblical narrative. Through this lens, the traditional stories, such as the biblical account of the conquest of Canaan, might be reinterpreted or entirely replaced with alternative theories like peaceful settlement or internal social revolutions. The proponents of these revised histories present them as the more accurate depiction of the past, yet the diversity and disagreement within their conclusions reveal that they are more so the product of subjective interpretation than objective fact. Waltke reiterates that Old Testament theology predicated on this reconstructed history is incongruent with the theology of the biblical writers themselves. When historical criticism removes or alters the divine elements integral to the biblical narrative, it risks transforming the theology into something unrecognizable when compared with the actual text of the Old Testament. In effect, this reconstructed history could be seen as the foundation of a completely different religion, distinct from the faith found within the pages of Scripture. Also, Waltke critically engages with the practice of exploring the compositional history of the Old Testament in biblical scholarship. Repeating the complexities and uncertainties of this approach, Waltke presents several concerns. Firstly, Waltke challenges the validity of source criticism, which attempts to dissect the biblical text into its original sources. He debates that the identification of these sources often lacks substantial evidence, making the entire endeavor highly speculative. The process becomes even more tenuous when considering oral traditions that may have existed before the written text. Due to this speculative nature, Waltke disputes that these methods do not provide a robust foundation for constructing sound biblical theology. Secondly, Waltke underlines that the proper focus of biblical theology should be on the message conveyed by the canonical text as it stands, rather than the pre-canonical stages of Israelite religious thought.
He argues that unraveling the text to discover its compositional layers can detract from the theological message intended by the final form of the text. The reconstruction of hypothetical documents, like the J source, is criticized for diverting attention from the extant canon to a non-existent text, which fails to reflect the historical reality of the canon and its intended theology. Thirdly, Waltke illustrates the potential pitfalls of interpreting the Old Testament by attempting to reconstruct its chronological composition. He likens this to reading a novel based on the order in which it was drafted, rather than its final structure. Authors often write non-linearly, and the initial drafts do not necessarily reveal the intended meaning. Underscoring compositional history risks misinterpretation and loses sight of the message crafted by the final redactor and the canonical shaping of the text. In sum, Waltke advocates for a biblical theology grounded in the final, received form of the Old Testament. He suggests that compositional history should be utilized judiciously, only where it convincingly contributes to our understanding of the canonical message. The caution against over-reliance on speculative historical reconstructions serves as an appeal for a focus on the received text's theological and spiritual insights. Moreover, Waltke presents the concept of blocks of writing as a way to comprehend the Old Testament. Recognizing that the Old Testament consists of a diverse compilation of books written across different genres and historical periods, Waltke notes that it is still possible to discern a pattern of continuity and connection among them. These connections manifest in shared vocabulary, literary styles, thematic concerns, and other types of intertextual evidence. The existence of these commonalities suggests that the Old Testament's various authors may have intentionally constructed their works in a way that aligns with others, creating natural demarcations within the scripture. These demarcations, or natural boundaries, do not result from scholarly enforcement, but are organically integrated within the texts. By identifying these natural literary blocks, readers can organize the Old Testament into cohesive units that reflect the intrinsic structure of the Bible. Waltke contends for a theology derived from within the text itself, an a posteriori approach that respects the canon's existing formation and the inherent direction of the text. This inductive method does not impose external structures onto the Bible, but seeks to understand its theology based on its indigenous organization and thematic developments. This perspective on blocks of writing finds some validation within the structure presented in the Talmud, which organizes the Hebrew Bible into three main sections. Torah, Law, Prophets, and Writings. The Torah consists of the first five books, from Genesis to Deuteronomy. The prophets are further divided into former prophets, Joshua through Kings, and later prophets, Isaiah through Malachi. The remaining books, characterized by various literary forms and content, make up the writings. This traditional Jewish classification echoes Waltke's approach by acknowledging the coherence of certain book groupings and provides a historical framework that both respects and elucidates the connections between the blocks of writing within the Old Testament, reinforcing the notion that understanding the Bible's organization can enhance theological insight. Furthermore, Waltke explores the narrative structure and continuity within the Old Testament, which he denominates as the primary history. This hypothetical approach disregards traditional canonical order and suggests that if readers encountered the Old Testament texts as unsorted volumes, they would logically start with Genesis due to its opening account of creation. However, Genesis ends with unresolved promises and the Israelites in Egypt, setting the stage for Exodus as its chronological and thematic sequel.
Waltke emphasizes the deliberate continuity between Genesis and Exodus, demonstrated in the consistent numbering of Israel's offspring in both the Masoretic text and the Septuagint. This unity extends beyond these two books. Leviticus continues at Mount Sinai where Exodus concludes, and Numbers records the journey from Sinai to the plains of Moab. Deuteronomy further acts as a retrospective on the period covered in Numbers, signaling a transitional book in the biblical corpus. The primary history consists of the Pentateuch, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, tracking Israel from creation to the cusp of entering the Promised Land, and the former prophets, from Joshua to two kings, narrating the events from the land's conquest to the nation's exile, with Ruth being the exception. The Talmud and modern scholarship diverge on Deuteronomy's placement. Nevertheless, its dual authorship, merging the original law book with explanatory editions, makes it the juncture between different sections of Israel's narrative. This unity ensures the primary history's position at the outset of the Old Testament canon, accentuating its foundational status for subsequent biblical texts. Interwoven literature such as legal codes, songs, and wisdom writings are integrated into this historical account, providing a multifaceted view of Israel's theology and experience. Waltke affirms that the arrangement of these texts bears hermeneutical significance. It clarifies how to distinguish between God's changing and enduring mandates for his people and serves as a methodological guide. Clear passages aid in interpreting ambiguous ones. He draws a parallel with the New Testament, where the clearer guidance of Paul's epistles takes precedence over Revelation's symbolic narratives, thus informing Christian eschatology and theological understanding. In addition, Waltke provides a structural analysis of the Old Testament's historical narratives, identifying the Chronicles and Ezra-Nehemiah as a second block of historical writing beyond the primary history, which comprises the books from Genesis to Kings. Chronicles begins with Adam and continues through the exile to Cyrus of Persia's reign, focusing on the Israelites' return to Judah, the temple's reconstruction, and the broader historical context. This block extends the narrative past what is covered in the primary history and shifts the thematic focus. While the primary history explains why the Israelites were sent into exile by reviewing their past, Chronicles and Ezra-Nehemiah are tasked with reassuring the Israelite returnees that they are the rightful heirs to Israel's legacy. These books assert the importance of faithful worship, purity of life, and obedience out of trust in God, ensuring that the newly re-established Israelite community is equipped to survive under the dominance of foreign empires such as Persia, Greece, and Rome. Waltke then classifies the rest of the Old Testament texts into distinct literature blocks. The prophetic literature encompasses books from Isaiah to Malachi, including Lamentations and the Twelve Minor Prophets. These works share a common prophetic tradition that addresses Israel's relationship with God. The Book of Psalms, divided into five books within the Old Testament, is categorized under hymnic literature due to its collection of songs, prayers, and liturgical material. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job are grouped together as wisdom literature, exploring human experiences, the nature of wisdom, and the challenges of understanding God's ways. Finally, Waltke acknowledges books like Ruth, Esther, and the Song of Songs, which are more difficult to categorize into the aforementioned genres. Each, however, maintains strong thematic connections to other parts of the Old Testament, such as Ruth's links to the patriarchal narratives, Song of Songs' association with Proverbs and Solomonic authorship, and Esther's narrative of Jewish survival and its ties to the commands given to Saul. Waltke highlights that all these texts, 
regardless of their unique characteristics or classification challenges, are integral to the theology of the Old Testament as a whole. Further, Waltke's examination of the Old Testament literature stresses the underlying commonality of divine inspiration, despite the variety of literary forms. This inspiration extends across genres, from historical narratives to autobiographical memoirs and poetic psalms, encompassing the work of authors who have not explicitly claimed supernatural encounters or revelations in their texts. Waltke indicates the role of prophet historians in the Old Testament, who, while remaining anonymous, exhibit a profound insight into the inner workings of human and divine minds within their narratives. He posits that these historical narratives, such as those found in Genesis through Kings and the Chronicles, demonstrate a divine perspective indicative of inspiration. The level of detail and understanding about private thoughts and divine intentions suggests an omniscient viewpoint that could only be attributed to divine revelation. Thus, the writers act as prophets by communicating God's perspective, making their works infallible accounts rooted in ultimate truth. In the realm of the autobiographies present in Ezra-Nehemiah, a different style of inspiration is present. These works operate from the limited perspective of human experience rather than divine omniscience, reflecting a reliance on providence. Nonetheless, the authority with which they interpret divine provision and answer prayer communicates another dimension of inspiration. This approach gains its legitimacy as inspired scripture through its acceptance within the covenant community and its inclusion in the canon. Turning to the Psalter, the Psalms, originating primarily from the First Temple period, capture yet another manner of inspiration, mainly linked to King David, who is described as having delivered inspired utterances through God's Spirit. Besides, this spiritual influence is validated by references in the New Testament. When their direct function within worship was lost with the fall of the monarchy and the temple, these psalms transitioned into texts for meditation, thereby gaining scriptural authority within the religious community as divinely inspired. Waltke's interpretation insists on a theological stance that sees these diverse Old Testament writings, each with its own form and function, as unified by their origin in divine inspiration. Such a perspective maintains the infallibility of the scriptures, reflecting a belief in their divine source and authority across all forms of literary expression found within the biblical canon. Additionally, Waltke begins by aligning with the perspectives of scholars Gerhard Hazel and James Barr, who both maintain the role of biblical theology in interpreting the overarching message of biblical texts. This interpretation involves unearthing the dynamic connections between themes, as well as understanding the continuum of divine revelation that flows throughout Scripture. Waltke posits that such theological study rests on a foundation laid by various biblical research fields, such as textual criticism, philology, and historical analysis but it must move beyond mere description to evaluate the texts and provide a coherent structure. He likens this structure to a system that accommodates diversity within a stable framework, analogous to political or economic systems within a country. This systematization effort grounds itself in the understanding that while individual texts are not inherently theological, they carry theological implications and insights that can be extracted through contemplative reflection. For Waltke, the task of the theologian is to engage with these texts reflectively, allowing the marriage of tradition and innovation to reveal an evolving yet consistent message. To illustrate the practical application of this methodology, Waltke examines the seed of the woman motif from Genesis 3.15. He explains how its interpretation can evolve from a narrow historical lens, 
where Eve may have seen Cain or Seth as the promised seed, to an expansive canonical context that ultimately identifies Jesus Christ and the Church as the fulfillment of that ancient prophetic promise. Waltke challenges the confinements of the grammatical historical method, which can limit the audience of Old Testament texts to their original narratives. Instead, he debates that biblical literature was designed to communicate with an enduring audience, the ecclesial Israel of God, which includes believers across all ages. In essence, Waltke calls for biblical theology to go beyond reciting the historical beliefs of the Israelite religion. It must actively engage with the text to discern its timeless meanings, prompted by the Bible's inspired character, its narrative of sacred history, its transcendent truth content, and its address to an all-encompassing audience, thereby making Old Testament theology a living and applicable discipline for the faithful of all generations. Also, Waltke discusses how biblical theology stands in contrast to other theological disciplines, especially in relation to natural theology, by evaluating their foundational sources of knowledge about God and how they interpret divine revelation. Natural theology differs from biblical theology primarily in its source of information about the divine. It relies on general revelation, which encompasses the observation of the natural world, the inner workings of human conscience, and the application of human reason. According to this perspective, the universe itself serves as a testament to God's existence and attributes, such as his divine nature, power, and wisdom, without requiring the special revelation found in Scripture. This approach is exemplified by the Apostle Paul's speeches in Acts and Romans, where Paul notes that evidence for God can be found in creation, hinting at an innate understanding of God's character and the idea that humans are God's offspring. Conversely, Biblical theology is anchored in special revelation, found explicitly within the sacred texts of the Bible. This grounding signifies that biblical theology values the unique insights and instructions provided by the biblical narrative as the ultimate authority in matters of faith and doctrine. The divergence between the two theologies becomes most apparent when there is a discrepancy between what can be inferred from nature and what is revealed in Scripture. Proponents of natural theology typically give precedence to the lessons gleaned from nature and human intellect, sometimes to the point of overshadowing biblical revelation. During the course of Western intellectual history, elements of natural theology have been interwoven into Christian theology, significantly influenced by Greek philosophical traditions. This integration faced criticism from Karl Barth, who was concerned that natural theology could risk diminishing the primacy of the Bible. On the contrary, James Barr offers a more reconciliatory view, suggesting that natural theology can hold a valid and complementary role in the broader canvas of Christian theology, as long as it does not undermine the authority of the biblical witness. Waltke's delineation of biblical theology versus natural theology points out the tension between knowledge sources, the expressly revealed wisdom of the biblical texts in biblical theology, against the broader interpretive lens of observing the natural world in natural theology. While each seeks to illuminate the understanding of God, biblical theology reiterates the sovereignty of the scriptures in conveying truth about the divine. Moreover, Waltke offers insight into the differing methodologies between those who undertake systematic or dogmatic theology and biblical theology concerning the presentation and understanding of Christian teachings. Systematic theologians aim to contextualize Christianity for modern audiences using structures from outside the biblical texts. 
These theologians historically sought patterns or frameworks that could help synthesize Christian teachings into coherent systems that are logical and applicable to contemporary life. John Calvin serves as a prime example with his Institutes of the Christian Religion, which mirrors the structure of the Apostles' Creed, repeating beliefs such as God the Father and Creator, the identity of Jesus Christ, the role of the Holy Spirit, and the concept of the Church and salvation. Philip Melanchthon took a different approach, structuring his theology on the Epistle to the Romans, thus anchoring his work in a particular piece of scriptural writing. The evolution of systematic theology since the 17th century shows a marked influence of Greek philosophy, revealing itself in the adoption of specific categories that help in exploring different aspects of Christian theology. These include bibliology, which focuses on scriptural study and its interpretation, hamartiology, dealing with the concept of sin and human fallibility, and pneumatology, which centers on the Holy Spirit. Biblical theologians differ significantly in their approach. Firstly, they approach the text as exegetes with a primary focus on extracting meaning from the biblical narratives themselves, rather than applying external logical constructs. Secondly, the structure of their interpretive work is rooted in the literary and historical composition of the Bible as it presents itself, deriving organizational principles from within the text. Finally, they engage in a diachronic study, seeking to understand how theological themes develop and change over time within the scripture. Whereas systematic theologians are more invested in defining and defending doctrines as timeless truths, biblical theologians put emphasis on the unfolding and historical development of those doctrines within the text. This means systematic theologians typically present a more synchronic view, concentrating on the simultaneous coherence of doctrinal beliefs and are less concerned with how those doctrines may have emerged or varied throughout the biblical narrative. Both disciplines offer unique pathways to engaging with Christian theology, each with its distinctive set of priorities and interpretive lenses. Furthermore, the history of religion school, known as the Religions Geschichte Schule, flourished from 1880 to 1930 and explored the development of Israelite religion akin to biblical theology. This discipline, however, differentiates itself from biblical theology in several respects. While both utilize historical and biblical criticism and dive into ancient texts, identifying probable earlier sources, their methodologies and philosophies differ. Religions, Geschichte underlines the influence of social, economic, and political factors in the evolution of religious beliefs. Viewing religion through the lens of historical context and environmental adaption, similar to how an oak's environment molds its form but doesn't change its inherent nature, biblical theology disputes that there are theological givens that define Israelite religion, constants that persist despite varying circumstances. These are understood as timeless truths rooted in divine revelation, unlike the history of religion schools focus on the immediate religious experiences of Israel within their historical environment. Additional distinctions emerge in the scope and purpose of these fields. The history of religion school takes a human-centric approach to historical study and incorporates comparative analysis, examining similarities across different faiths to understand Israel's religion. It doesn't confine itself solely to written texts, but includes a wide array of religious phenomena, such as customs and rituals. Conversely, biblical theology employs comparative methods exclusively to interpret scripture with a systematic emphasis on the intellectual constructs within Israelite faith. The objective of the history of religion school is descriptive. It avoids value judgments and remains agnostic about truth claims. On the other hand, 
biblical theology strives to uncover and affirm normative truths found in the Bible, sustaining the pursuit of an abiding and universal moral standard. The past century saw a decline of the religion's Geschichte Schule, primarily due to the disillusionment with evolutionary naturalism and scientific objectivity, as well as a theological reorientation towards themes that were central during the Reformation. In addition, archaeological expeditions unearthed cultures and texts that presented direct parallels with biblical writings, challenging previous evolutionary assumptions about religion. Despite the school's diminished prominence, its approach to disassembling and analyzing Old Testament sources continued to significantly influence Old Testament theology. Today, in a postmodern context, this history of religion perspective has been revived, though it often questions absolute values and suggests that biblical accounts may merely reflect the dominant perspectives of an elite rather than inherent universal truths. Propelling this view are contemporary thinkers who argue that the Bible should not be seen as an absolute moral authority but as a cultural document, shaped by and reflective of its time. This narrative is further disseminated by modern media, impacting public understanding of religious scripture. Further, Waltke offers a nuanced discussion about the varied landscape of Old Testament biblical theologies. He recognizes the complexity and diversity within the discipline and acknowledges the impossibility of covering all its aspects comprehensively. Waltke notes that many theologians integrate historical critical methods, including the source analysis of the Pentateuch, identifying the J-E-D-P strata, with theological interpretations. The field scholars often agree on the foundational role of historical criticism for their work. James Barr organizes the principal movements within Old Testament theology into five broad approaches. Those who gather doctrines similar to traditional systematic theology, those who provide a synthetic view of the Old Testament faith, those who utilize a Christian perspective underscoring revelation, those who trace the development and reinterpretation of traditions, and those who adopt canonical approaches that focus on the text's final form. Historically, biblical theologians like Ludwig Kohler have arranged their work according to doctrinal categories, namely God, humanity, and salvation. Subsequent theologians gravitated towards pivotal themes, such as Covenant by Walter Eichrott, The Holiness of God by Ernst Sellen, Israel's Election by Hans Wildberger, Communion with God by T.C. Vriesen, and God's Sovereignty by Benno Jacob. Others like Georg Forer proposed a dual theme emphasizing God's rulership and the communion between God and humanity. Walter Zimmerli and Brevard Childs did not limit themselves to a single theme, but rather utilized multiple ones. In Waltke's view, Eichrott's concept of the eruption of the kingship of God powerfully unites the Testaments, echoing through Jesus' teachings, especially the Lord's Prayer, accentuating the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. Besides, Waltke appraises the works of Walter Brueggemann and James Barr, postdating most surveys mentioned in his first chapter. He critically assesses their rejection of the Church's historic confessions regarding the role of the Spirit in scriptural revelation. Waltke contends that their influential theologies dismiss the idea of biblical texts as infallible witnesses to truth, and he critiques their departure from what he sees as a traditional understanding of the Spirit's role in inspiration and illumination of Scripture. Additionally, Waltke evaluates Walter Brueggemann's The Theology of the Old Testament, appreciating the depth of its scholarly survey and the brilliance of its style. Despite these strengths, Waltke criticizes Brueggemann for complicating his presentation with unnecessary abstract concepts 
and creating new words that he believes hinder clear communication. Waltke zeroes in on Bregemann's epistemology, which he describes as post-liberal, non-foundational. Bregemann steers away from historical criticism and ecclesiastical orthodoxy, aiming to avoid relativizing the divine revelations captured within the biblical texts. Despite this, Waltke debates that Brighamann's approach strips the Bible of its divine authority, making human response and logic the final arbiters of truth, thus failing to acknowledge the discerning role of the Holy Spirit. Within this framework, Brighamann perceives the Scripture's authority as emanating from the community's willingness to accept it rather than from the Spirit's influence. Waltke finds fault with this view, positing that spiritual conviction goes beyond rhetoric, with the Bible's power rooted in the Spirit. Waltke criticizes Brighamann's interpretative stance, suggesting that he reduces the text to be merely Israel's testimony about God, with little regard for historical or external reality. Such an approach leads to an understanding of God that is confined to Israel's rhetoric. And Waltke disputes, this presents a version of the divine that cannot be affirmed as absolute truth. Also, Waltke takes issue with Brueggemann's handling of scripture when it speaks of God's nature. Brueggemann's framework presents a dialectical and dialogical structure, which allows for the coexistence of contradictory views of God's goodness and malevolence without seeking a transcendental resolution. Waltke rebukes this notion for failing to represent the consistency and covenantal love of God, suggesting that it reflects skepticism like that introduced by the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Moreover, Waltke critiques Brueggemann's exegetical methodology. He argues that Brueggemann selectively uses scripture to support a narrative of a contradictory God and does not fully consider the intended message in its literary and historical contexts. This, according to Waltke, demonstrates a flawed interpretative practice that results in a heretical view of God. In summary, Waltke sees Brueggemann as ultimately dependent on an epistemology rooted in human rationale, rather than in divine revelation and influenced by the Holy Spirit. Consequently, Waltke views this approach as structurally unsound, because it is based on an inadequate understanding of Scripture. Furthermore, Waltke offers a detailed analysis of James Barr's significant work, the concept of biblical theology, which sets a recent benchmark in biblical theology by notably diverging from the traditional creeds upheld by the Church regarding Scripture. Waltke characterizes Barr's comprehensive study as potentially originating from a collection of Barr's academic lectures and writings, a circumstance that may account for some perceived repetitiveness within the text. Despite this repetition, Waltke acknowledges Barr's successful encapsulation of the ideas and contributions from a range of biblical theologians, stretching from historical to contemporary thinkers. Waltke, however, affirms that Barr's handling of certain German theological perspectives may come off as excessively intricate, which he suggests could be more attributable to the original complexity of those theologies rather than Barr's own elucidation. In his book, Waltke has engaged with Barr's views, identifying strengths and weaknesses in his body of work, a discussion Waltke promises to extend beyond the current mentions. While praising Barr's critique of neo-orthodoxy's dismissal of natural theology, which Waltke regards as hasty. He also disputes Barr's nebulous approach to the concept of the biblical canon and his advocating for the use of non-canonical texts like the Apocrypha in biblical theology. Waltke draws attention to Barr's approach towards newer theologies that dismiss orthodoxy in favor of historical criticism, noting a pattern of ironic respect from Barr towards such perspectives. Conversely, 
Barr demonstrates a sharp, critical stance towards more conservative scholars, especially in his commentary on Child's canonical approach to biblical interpretation. Barr dismisses traditional theologians with sarcasm, or in some cases, neglects them entirely, which Waltke reads as an undervaluation of their contributions. Barr is critical of the depiction of certain biblical sections, such as Genesis 1.11 as historical recount. Instead, he frames them as myths devoid of empirical historical connections. Waltke differs significantly here, advocating for the inherent connectedness of biblical narrative to historical events and personalities. In summarizing Barr's position, Waltke asserts Barr's confidence in human reason and theology, contrasting it with his own conviction in the necessity of divine guidance and the illumination offered by the Holy Spirit, an element absent from Barr's index. Waltke remains fundamentally opposed to Barr's reliance on human theology over scriptural revelation, highlighting that the latter should be the foundation for life's purpose and eternal destiny. In addition, Waltke's examination of Christian attitudes toward the Bible delineates a spectrum of beliefs regarding how the divine is understood to communicate through Scripture. He employs five prepositional descriptors to categorize these theological perspectives, acknowledging that while his classification might be an oversimplification, it serves as a useful heuristic to distinguish and remember the variety of Christian approaches to the Bible. These categories are liberal, neo-orthodox, traditionalist, fundamentalist, and evangelical. Liberals typically view the Bible as a compilation of inspirational religious experiences of human beings rather than the direct or inerrant Word of God. For them, the Bible contains universal truths and moral teachings, but is not necessarily free of error or historically factual in every detail. The neo-Orthodox position, emergent in the early 20th century as a response to liberal theology, posits that the Bible is not inherently the Word of God, but becomes so in the moment of encounter. In this view, the scriptures serve as a vessel through which God speaks, with the emphasis on the transformational experience rather than the literal text or its historical precision. Traditionalists, while embracing historical church doctrines, view the Bible within the context of time-honored interpretations and creeds. They uphold the continuity of faith and doctrine, often looking to the early church fathers and ecumenical councils for guidance in understanding scripture. Fundamentalists advocate for a literal interpretation of the Bible, usually maintaining the inerrancy and infallibility of the scriptural texts. They often reject modern historical critical methodologies, seeing them as undermining the straightforward divine truths they find in scripture. Evangelicals, while sharing some common ground with fundamentalists concerning the authority and inspiration of the Bible, are typically more open to the application of scholarly methods and criticism. They maintain a balance between recognizing the divine origin of the Bible and the human elements involved in its composition, wrestling with how to apply biblical teachings in a contemporary context. Waltke's purpose is not to pigeonhole but to provide clarity on the broad and sometimes confusing array of positions. He intends to pave the way for further exploration into how these attitudes manifest in the practice of biblical theology, affecting interpretation, application, and living out the scriptures in the Christian faith. Further, Waltke offers a critical perspective on how liberal theologians treat the Bible, articulating that they elevate reason and experience above biblical revelation. Labeling them as liberals, he states that they adopt a framework of assumptions rooted in Enlightenment ideas to judge the biblical text, particularly questioning its historical validity. Such theologians, according to Waltke, idolize reason and employ historical criticism to set a standard, 
which they use to evaluate the Bible, thus positioning themselves above it. Waltke identifies three primary canons that these liberal theologians use. Firstly, there is the canon of skepticism, in which the Bible is read with the same doubt as any ancient Near Eastern myth. While acknowledging its higher moral insights, these theologians consider the Bible's accounts of divine action as mere products of human mythmaking rather than genuine divine revelation. This approach reflects the skepticism characteristic of French Enlightenment philosophers. The second is the canon of coherence. This principle assumes that all historical events result from unalterable natural laws, an outlook influenced by English deism. This contrasts sharply with the biblical view that divine providence shapes history, with God intervening directly or indirectly. Thirdly, they adopt the canon of analogy, limiting understanding of past events by the scope of contemporary experiences. Miraculous events described in the Bible like resurrection or ascension are deemed implausible since they do not align with our current understanding of the world. This method seeks to distill what actually occurred in biblical times by peeling away layers of tradition and supposed myth. This historico-critical approach not only counteracts the beliefs of the original biblical writers, who saw God as active, mighty, and sometimes unpredictable, but also leads to a susceptibility to other forms of authority, such as community norms, tradition, new experiences, and human reason. Waltke cites Ian Provan's argument that this reimagining of Israel's history under the guise of critical objectivity surreptitiously replaces religious faith with a different kind of commitment. In essence, Waltke warns that liberal theologians, through their critique and historical reconstruction, undermine the Bible's divine authority, reshape its history, and consequently, open the door to alternative influences that challenge the scriptural testimony as the sole authority on spiritual matters. Besides, neo-orthodoxy is a theological movement that arose as a critique of the perceived shortcomings in liberal theology particularly its tendency towards what critics saw as systematic practical atheism. The neo-Orthodox response was to reaffirm the centrality of Jesus Christ as the foundation for understanding divine matters, based on their experiences of God through the witness provided by the biblical texts. Karl Barth, 1886-1968, one of the pioneers and leading conservative thinkers within neo-Orthodoxy, espoused what came to be known as the theology of crisis. This approach was rooted in an urgent sense of God's judgment on human culture, challenging the status quo and provoking a crisis of faith. Barth's theology is also labeled dialectical because it stresses the stark opposition between a transcendent God and fallible humanity, indicating the personal, existential encounter between God, thou, and the individual, I. Barth and his followers advocated for an I-thou relationship as opposed to a more detached I-it relationship which they saw as prevalent in liberal theology. Neo-Orthodox theologians approach scripture with the expectation that through preaching, the words of the Bible transition into the word of God. Barth encapsulated this in his syllogism, the word written, the word preached, the word revealed. This suggests that scripture becomes divine word to the church through its proclamation and its power to engender faith in Jesus Christ. However, this perspective implies that the scripture's authority is contingent upon human response and revelation, rather than residing inherently in the divinely inspired text. For neo-Orthodox thinkers, the Bible's true authority is only manifest when it is experienced as revelation during the act of preaching. Additionally, neo-Orthodoxy makes a distinction between Jesus Christ as the Word of God and scripture as a witness to that word. 
While believing firmly in Jesus as the embodiment of divine purpose, Barth did not view the entirety of the Bible as inerrant. The result is that, within this theology, only biblical statements that bear witness to Jesus Christ are considered true. This creates a kind of hierarchical valuation where the message of Christ, the music, is seen as more crucial than the comprehensive canon of Scripture, the record, which neo-Orthodox theologians regard as a flawed vehicle for that message. Such a canon-within-a-canon approach leads to instability, being evangelical yet diverging from traditional orthodoxy concerning the absolute authority of Scripture. This theological propensity effectively places interpretational authority in the hands of the audience, similar to how varied aficionados might appreciate the idiosyncratic merits found in the writings of Cicero. Also, Waltke addresses the relationship between scriptural text and traditional or confessional interpretations within Christianity and Judaism. For centuries, the understanding and application of the Bible have been profoundly shaped by the contexts and traditions in which it has been read. Christians receive the Bible with a thick sediment of church history, interpretation, and doctrine, distinct from Jewish perspectives rooted in the synagogue, or the divergent interpretations found in sects and cults. In Judaism, theological foundations are not limited to the Hebrew Bible, but also rely on the Talmud and Midrash. This dual reliance on text and tradition expands the framework of understanding, with some scholars suggesting that such traditions in essence Judaize the Hebrew scriptures by integrating them within a broader rabbinical discourse. In contrast, the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox traditions, along with traditional Judaism, espouse the belief that divine revelation can only be fully understood through an established tradition of authoritative interpretation. However, Waltke critically observes that such dedication to tradition sometimes supersedes the text itself, potentially nullifying the scriptures, echoing Jesus' own criticisms of the Pharisees in Mark 7.13. The Protestant Reformation arose as a counter-movement to this issue, maintaining sola scriptura, or scripture alone, as the foundation of authority. Yet, Waltke recognizes that even within Protestantism, the revered confessions and traditions can inadvertently confine or skew biblical revelation, rendering the church's interpretation partial rather than holistic. He points out that biblical truth often presents itself as paradoxical, such as in doctrines like the Trinity or the hypostatic union of Christ's divinity and humanity. These doctrines invite a complex and nuanced engagement with Scripture, the kind that might be stifled by rigid adherence to confession or dogma. While he commends confessions like the Westminster Confession of Faith for their meticulous theological frameworks, Waltke insists on the supremacy of the Bible over any doctrinal system, echoing the confession's own statement that it must be subject to Scripture. He warns that over-reliance on systematic theology could narrow the Christian perspective, preventing believers from being enriched by the varied theological emphases of biblical writers. Thus, he advocates for a church that is always reforming always critically examining itself to avoid the pitfalls of dogmatism and ensure that all truth, ultimately God's truth, is fully embraced and taught. Moreover, in his critique of fundamentalism, Waltke addresses the way individuals holding this viewpoint approach the Bible. Fundamentalists, as defined by Waltke, are those who rigidly adhere to the belief that the Bible aligns perfectly with their own personal standards of factual precision, particularly in relation to science and history. They operate under the assumption that their contemporary perspective is synonymous with truth and expect the biblical texts to conform to this modern lens of accuracy. 
This assumption, however, is challenged by Waltke, who reiterates that what is considered accurate or factual can vary greatly between the ancient contexts in which the scriptures were written and today's standards. Waltke contends that the only valid measure for assessing the Bible's internal coherence is through the principle of non-contradiction. This fundamental principle states that contradicting statements cannot both be true at the same time in the same respect. Whereas a paradox might puzzle us with its seemingly contradictory yet possible truth, an actual contradiction negates the possibility of any sensible coherence. However, Waltke finds that fundamentalists often fail to dive deeply into the interpretative process. They do not stand under scripture sufficiently to truly understand it. The critique is that their engagement with the Bible stops at the surface, focusing on delivering a message that presents the Bible as it is to people as they are, without examining whether modern readers are adequately prepared to interact with an ancient text on its own terms. Waltke implies that a more nuanced and culturally aware approach is necessary when interpreting the Bible. This perspective would consider the different contexts and recognize that a lack of discrepancy from modern standards does not equate to a lack of truth or divine inspiration within the biblical narrative. Fundamentalists, in Waltke's opinion, may inadvertently miss the depth and richness of the biblical message by upholding a modernist rather than an ancient standard of truth. Last but not least, Waltke identifies himself as an evangelical, explicitly adhering to the belief that the Bible is inerrant in its origin and infallible in its authority. He posits that the human mind, being finite and corrupted, is incapable of discerning infinite truths independently. The necessity for divine revelation, therefore, is paramount as it enables individuals to judge the wisdom or folly and the righteousness or wrongness of their own thoughts and actions. In addition, Waltke stresses the importance of approaching the Bible without pre-assumptions or biases to truly understand it on its terms. This requires studying the different literary genres present within the text, including poetry, narrative, prophecy, and more. Recognizing the Bible's utter trustworthiness and committing to live by its principles while remaining open to ongoing learning and correction from its teachings. Further, Waltke distinguishes between the practices of biblical theology and exegesis, though noting their interconnectedness. Exegesis is concerned with analyzing the language, form, and historical context of specific text passages, endeavoring to explain a text like Genesis or Luke within its immediate scriptural framework. This detailed and sequential analysis of individual texts aims to clarify the author's intended message, thereby aiding in the correct application and interpretation of scripture. Biblical theology, contrastingly, engages in a reflective examination, thinking deeply about religious expressions and systematically re-evaluating them. Instead of focusing on the sequence of ideas within a single book, biblical theologians investigate how different books of the Bible interrelate and converge on shared themes and messages. This practice considers the entire biblical canon, seeking an understanding of the unified narrative and doctrine reflected across the diverse collection of texts. In his summation, Waltke presents his evangelical approach to scripture as one rooted in a disciplined study and a humble, teachable attitude, repeated by a dedication to allowing the Bible to direct his understanding and life. He underlines the complementary roles of exegesis and biblical theology in fostering a comprehensive grasp of the Bible, where analysis and contemplation work in tandem to yield a richer, multidimensional appreciation of the biblical revelation. In conclusion, Waltke's perspective on Old Testament theology is anchored in his view of the Bible 
as the inerrant and authoritative Word of God. He sees the Scriptures not as a collection of ancient texts, but as a dynamic and cohesive narrative through which God communicates essential truths to His Church. Waltke stresses that theologians should reverence the Bible, approaching it as a unified whole with the purpose of discerning the development of its major themes across time. Besides, underscoring the diversity within the Old Testament, Waltke debates against simplifying it to a compilation of separate book theologies. He advocates for tracing central themes that persist despite the variety of human authorship, historical conditions, and literary forms. Recognizing the complexity of canonical scripture, he challenges reductions that do not honor each book's unique theological contribution. Yet he also emphasizes the importance of accentuating overarching themes that reflect a collective understanding of God and his relationship with humanity. Additionally, Waltke critiques the tendency to use systematic categories to organize Old Testament theology, warning that such categories can dilute the text's distinctive nature. Instead, he encourages respecting the text's originality through methods like poetics and intertextuality, thereby promoting a more accurate and nuanced understanding of biblical messages. Also, in considering the development of theological themes, Waltke introduces the concept of progressive revelation, where the divine truth gradually unfolds within history, culminating in the New Testament. He affirms the importance of historical engagement with the biblical texts, suggesting that historical understanding enhances the depth of the Old Testament's theology. Moreover, Waltke critically discusses the works of other theologians, such as Walter Brueggemann and James Barr, challenging views that he perceives as shifting away from the traditional acknowledgement of scriptural revelation and the Holy Spirit's role. He outlines different theological approaches toward scripture, identifying his own stance as evangelical, which respects the Bible's inerrancy and infallibility. This position involves a commitment to studying scripture rigorously and allowing it to shape beliefs and actions. Waltke asserts that both detailed exegesis and broader theological reflection are essential in grasping the multifaceted nature of the Bible's revelation. His scholarship calls for a thoughtful and disciplined pursuit of understanding, highlighting that the full richness of scripture is gleaned through a harmonious blend of analytical and systematic theological study.